Welcome to the Derek Prince Ministries podcast, helping you to grow stronger in God. For more than six decades, best-selling author and Bible teacher Derek Prince has been a source of inspiration for millions of believers around the world. You too can benefit from his compelling biblical insights. And now, Derek Prince. All last week I was sharing with you on a rich and wonderful theme of victory over death. This week I'm going to continue with the same theme. There's so much more still to unfold. Last week I explained how Jesus, as our kinsman redeemer, took upon himself the sentence of death that was due to each of us and yielded up his soul as the sin offering on our behalf, thereby expiating our guilt. Then, on the third day, God the Father set aside the unjust decisions of the two human courts, Jewish and Roman, that had condemned Jesus to death, and vindicated the righteousness of his Son by raising him from the dead. Today I'm going to continue with the theme of Christ's resurrection. I'm going to explain just what it means for each of us. The first thing that we need to see is that the resurrection of Jesus, who was our representative, is the sure seal upon God's offer of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus. In Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, Paul explains how Abraham's faith in God's promise was credited to him as righteousness. Then he continues with an application to us also as believers today. In Romans 4:23 through 25 he says the words it was credited to him that is Abraham were written not for him alone but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead he that is Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Let me read that last verse again. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. The word justification is a kind of technical theological word. We might render it acquittal or that we might be rendered righteous. Perhaps the best explanation of what it means to be justified is this. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned, because Christ's righteousness, his sinless righteousness, is imputed or credited to us through our faith. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Paul says that Christ was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. This shows that the sinner's justification is dependent upon Christ being raised again from the dead. Had Christ remained upon the cross or in the tomb, God's promise to the sinner of salvation and eternal life could never have been fulfilled. It is only the risen Christ, received and confessed by faith, who brings to the sinner pardon, peace, eternal life, and victory over sin. Paul states the same truth again in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, where he says, 
If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Here salvation is stated to be dependent upon two things. First, openly confessing Jesus as Lord. Second, believing in the heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Thus, saving faith includes faith in the resurrection. There can be no salvation for those who do not believe in the resurrection of Christ. Logic and intellectual honesty permit no other conclusion. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then he has no power to pardon or to save the sinner. But if he is risen, as the Scripture states, then this is logical proof of his power to pardon and to save. This consequence of Christ's resurrection is clearly set forth in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The absolute logical necessity of Christ's resurrection as a basis of God's offer of salvation is stated again by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 14 he says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Again in verse 17, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. The condition of contemporary Christendom abundantly confirms these plain statements of Scripture. Those theologians who reject the personal, physical resurrection of Christ may moralize and theorize as much as they please, but one thing they never come to know in personal experience, the peace and the joy of sins forgiven. I've said that Christ's resurrection is the sure seal upon God's offer of forgiveness and salvation to each one of us. Secondly, Christ's resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection. In Colossians 1.18, Paul says this of Jesus, He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Jesus was the beginning of the first creation of God, and through his resurrection he is also the beginning of the new creation of God, which is made available to us through faith. Here in this passage in Colossians, Jesus is said to be the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. In other words, resurrection is here compared to rebirth out of death. This agrees with what we find in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Psalm 2 is also a prophetic preview of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In verse 7, Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking of the decree that God the Father has made concerning him. This is what he says. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. And this day on which the Father begat the Son was the resurrection day. Jesus was the first begotten or the first born from the dead. His resurrection was a birth out of death into new and eternal life. Now, if we return to Colossians 1.18, the picture that Paul gives there is that Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church, and he's the firstborn from the dead. If we picture 
resurrection as a birth, then we can apply to it the same order that applies to a natural birth of a child from its mother's womb. And of course we all know that in a natural birth, the head comes out first, and then the body follows. So this applies, of course, to the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection. Jesus, the head, has come out in resurrection. So this guarantees that we, who are the body, will follow the head. It's a beautiful picture. So the resurrection of Jesus is our guarantee that we, who are united to him by faith, will also be resurrected as he was. He, the head, has already come forth. We, the body, will follow in God's due season. This is summed up very briefly by Jesus himself in John chapter 14, verse 19. Because I live, you shall live also. His life is our life. We have a guarantee that we'll share in his resurrection because we're united to him. The third fact about the resurrection is that it is the goal of our Christian living. Let's look at Paul's attitude and motivation concerning this as he himself expresses it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Paul speaks about the whole purpose of his Christian life and service. He says this, That I may know him, that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Notice Paul's motivation, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Then in the next verse he says, Not that I have already obtained it, that's the resurrection of the dead, or have already become perfect or complete, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus, that is, the resurrection of the dead. Paul is very objective about himself. He goes on to say, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was Paul's attitude toward attaining to the resurrection of the dead. He didn't consider that he had already attained but his purpose was to attain. And he said, Nothing is going to stand between me and the fulfillment of Christ's purpose for me. I'm going to press toward that mark. I'm going to press onward and upward. And nothing is going to hold me back. The things of time, human attitudes and personalities, situations in the world, none of them will deflect me from my supreme ambition which is to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul was certainly a successful Christian, and yet that was his attitude. How can our attitude be different? How can we assume something that Paul could not assume? Do not we need all of us to cultivate this same attitude? I press toward the goal. I have not yet attained, but it is my purpose to attain, and nothing will stand between me and the fulfillment of my purpose. I believe that's the challenge of the resurrection for each of us just at this time. Thank you for listening. 
For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast. And like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpmuk to join our online community. Derek Prince, teaching you can trust. <laughs>